uh, I, the first thing, something Susan said, like at the very beginning that I really appreciated is that uh, they weren't marriage experts, they were marriage experienced. Yeah. And I would qualify all of us up here under that category. Nobody up here is saying that we're some marriage expert, but we all have differing degrees of experience in marriage. And, you know, I, I would probably argue if somebody said they were a marriage expert, we'll never be an expert at anything in life as it pertains to godliness because we're constantly growing until the day we're with Jesus and like him. Amen? So there's always stuff we're learning. We want to stay in that humble place. But having said that, as we go through life, as we do marriage with God at the center of it, there's things he teaches us just like things that they were sharing that that's, they've learned over time. So each of the couples up here, I just really wanted up here because, A, I know they love the Lord. I've seen that in their life. And they are determined to experience everything God desires for them in their marriage. I've seen that as well. And so those two things, you know, if those are the heart of us in our marriage, then God can do a lot with that. And they all offer differing, uh, probably differing views uh, and might answer these questions differently depending on where they're at in life and things that God's teaching them. And so I, I value that differencing of just experience in their lives too. So that's why I've got them up here. So with that, I'm going to go through these questions. I, you, we've, got good, we've got good questions. We've got a lot of them. So um, kudos to you guys for taking part. Um, I, we'll try to get through as many as we can. If we don't get through them, like I said, we do the last Thursday of the month, we do a Q&A at church, and we'll, we'll pass them on to that, and they'll be answered at some point. So you can always tune in and watch that as well. So, All right. Well, the way this works is I'm going to ask a question and I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Um, no, I'm not. Uh, you guys just get to volunteer, like, if you have something to add or want to say about it. And there could be multiple people talking on it. But I'll throw the question out there. Um, the first one is, what are best practices for new marriages to keep God at the center? What was the question? What are <laughs> best practices... <laughs> We'll pray for you, Allie. What, what are the <laughs> what are best practices for new marriages to keep God at the center? And I would say even, I mean, practices for continued keeping God at the center in your marriage because as your life gets busier with kids and stuff, that can be an issue where we get distracted. So what are some things you guys have learned over your life to help keep God at the center as kind of Don and Susan were talking about? Check, check. Is this loud enough, guys? All right, hi. I was going to say I didn't want to talk, but I guess... <laughs> Anyways, okay, so yeah. Um, what are some best practices? Well, uh, I want to encourage you guys to seek the Lord together. That's, I mean, it seems it sounds like a no-brainer, but also serve together. And that's one thing I see, and I'm really actually blessed by uh, young couples serving the Lord together, like looking for a place where they can find a ministry together, or support each other in ministry. So example would be Libby and Cole. They're serving in junior high ministry. They're both there. And it's just awesome. It's they're, they're wanting to be together. They're wanting to serve the Lord together. I think that's an incredible example. Um, and um, also Justin and, and Marnie. You know, Marnie was running slides before 
um, they had their child. Justin was serving in worship ministry, and so she was involved in worship ministry. And now that they have a little girl, you know, I see, um, I see Marnie just making sure that Justin can be up there to worship. And I also see Justin saying, hey, you know, I've, I've been up there a lot in time with my family. So there's this mutual care and support, but also there's a focus on serving the Lord together. And I just think that that's awesome. I think that's, that, that's a really great example. I um, also want to say that I don't think those things can happen unless unless, like what Susan was talking about, the first circle, unless you're strong with Jesus. I, they, maybe they can happen for a short time, but they can't happen long term unless that, unless that, that investment in Jesus is being made. And, and I, I think I know both these couples well enough to just say, I, I, really, do, I really do know that they, they are making that investment with Jesus. So. And as a, as a spouse, just making sure that you... Um, that you are, you know, helping your spouse to have that time, if if they need time away to spend with the Lord, um, encouraging them to do that, because um, we get so busy in life and uh, we can put that on the back burner. But that's the most important thing mm-hmm. that we have that our own personal relationship with the Lord first, um, and then obviously, you know, spending time in prayer and stuff together, which you know we need to grow in, but. Um, yeah, making sure that you encourage that time and, and allow space for that in your lives. I, I would say as young people, like going into marriage, often you guys are at the very beginning of your life and you're kind of figuring out what that's going to look like. Like some of you don't really have careers yet. You might have jobs, but you're kind of in the process of figuring out what's, what's going to be that career, what's going to be that thing that I'm doing. Um, and, and you haven't had kids yet, you know, and, and, and then the, those things are all things that you're going to have to divide your time with. As you add things to your life, you're going to have to figure out, like, how do I divide my time? And, and that's going to become um, a greater and greater challenge the more you live life. But if Jesus is the sinner, and this involves, like, communication between you guys, like, what does that look like? Because here's our ultimate goal. Like, our, our first circle is Jesus and then it's our relationship, and then it's our relationship with our families, and, and how does that look practically? Like if I do this job, or if I do this hobby, or if I, you know, my kids are doing these activities, this is like a constant changing thing where communication is so important because the goal stays the same, but how you achieve that goal is going to always be changing And the most important thing is to be of the same mind with that goal, Jesus staying the priority, and then talking together and coming to that agreement and what that looks like practically so that those most important relationships aren't um, compromised at all. And and the longer you live life, the other thing you're going to realize is that whatever things being said here through trial and error and practice is that if that first relationship is compromised, all everything else is going to be compromised too and so it is of the utmost importance that you guys are in unity keeping that the most important thing because it everything else below it is going to benefit and even like don said if, if there's problems in those other relationships more times than not we're, we're our nature is to find something to blame but more times than not it's just because there's something wrong in our relationship with god that needs to 
be made right, and then those other things will get back to the way that they were supposed to be, that he intends them to be. Anything else? Yes. Thanks. This just in. <laughs> <laughs> It's on now? Uh, okay. Eat it. Eat the Eat mic. It. Okay. I'll keep it right there. there um, we also need to make sure that we're not looking to our spouse to fulfill what only the Lord can. We got to make sure that our relationship with him comes first and that they're second and that they're, our relationship with them is still important, but he comes first above all. Next question is, what is a practical way to lead your wife and family spiritually? So this sounds like a question for the men. Uh, I, I think it says, uh, like, one way you failed or one way you've succeeded, like things you've learned in your life, either in neglecting being the spiritual leader in your household or things that you've, you've come to find out were good choices in leading your family. say something that Marcus does that's awesome yes go ahead um, <laughs> um, Marcus is um, incredibly intentional with our kids and time in the word so they are reading on the same plan together um, I do my own thing I participate in the discussion sometimes um, but they I'm usually chasing Boaz <laughs> Um, but with Faith and Silas, our older two, um, he is really intentional about going through the word with them. Mm -hmm. And that's a daily thing, checking in with, it's not even super formal, but just like, you know, what, what did, what stuck out to you in the word? And then they discuss it together. And I mean, he takes that job of leading our family in the Lord very seriously. Um, for me, um, you know, I think it's just um, an informal thing. It doesn't have to be where, you know, we're sitting down and digging into the word together, although sometimes we do. But it's just when he has those moments where he's like, hey, the Lord showed me this in the word or I can do that to, for him. That's, you know, pretty important just to have that those moments of just talking about what the Lord is showing us personally in the word and have those conversations. I mean, we're, we're up early and we're both sitting in the living room and, you know, with our coffee and you know, blankets in the word together. And so, I mean, we're seeing each other just press into the Lord. That's, you know, we're spurring each other on, like, it's time to get up, <laughs> you know, like, and, you know, he kind of kicks me out of bed, go make the, you know, make the, go make the coffee. I'll be in in a minute, you know. Not, not in a bad, not in a bad way at all. Like, not, you know, like, serve me, woman. No, that's, that's not how things go in our house. But, um, but just that, you know, like, you know, when I'm tired, he's like, hey, you know, this is what time it is. You know, when I'm tired, you know, or he's tired, you know, it's like, well, the coffee is waiting, you know, and that's, you know, how we encourage each other to kind of keep going. Okay, well, since she thought of a way that I succeeded, I'll, I can think of some ways that I've failed. <laughs> so that's, I mean, it's easy to condemn yourself, right? But no, I mean, just uh, hopefully it's, it's helpful. Um, you know, I, one way I've, I think I've failed with my kids is, uh, 
expecting too much when I started out. I'm like, okay, you know, we're going to read two chapters, and then, you know, we need to cover these theological points. And, and I could just see him checking out. And, uh, man, you know, there's only so much these little cups can hold, right? And so if the Lord is working through the word and there's something that stood out to them, so much better that I can engage them on that than try to, you know, I mean, yeah, there's things I maybe want to talk about. I'll try to think of one thing that stands out to me, right? But, but then I, I try to make sure that if there's, if there's something to say or if there's a question I can ask them, well, what do you think that means for you? You know, just really simple questions um, because because I find myself getting frustrated with him. Like, they're just not getting it. Like, how do they not know this, you know? And, uh, but just being able to trust the Lord with that and say, we're, we're in God's word, right? Inspired by the Holy Spirit, sufficient for teaching, correction, rebuke, and training in godliness. So we're, we're, we are approaching the Lord, and I need to, like, I, I guess, um, was it Don, you were saying, don't, don't be the Holy Spirit. Or maybe, I can't, one of you said basically don't try to be the Holy Spirit, but, but pray for your spouse. And I think that's the same with the kids and the devos. I think being too pushy or trying to, trying to push too much in is it, it, counterproductive. So that's one way I failed. Um, and the Lord kind of showed me that, you know, um, my, especially like I could feel my flesh rising, and I'm like, well, my attitude's wrong here. And another way I think I fail often is, you know, I, it's good to be in the Word with Jesus, right? First circle, good. I think we, we do that consistently, um, but then, you know, sort of picking up the phone. Okay, I've got my divas down. I prayed. I'm feeling like the, the, the Holy Spirit, you know, just like at peace, and then, okay, now let's, now let's check my phone, but neglecting to pray with my wife. I think that's, that's an area where I could really grow, so. One thing I would say, you know, I I don't like that word failed just because I think any one of us, if we're being honest, you know, and humble, know that we've messed up in a lot of areas that are in raising our kids. And if it was not but for the grace of God, there's no way my kid would end up well at all because of those failures. So, you know, even in the things that I've done right, my hope is not at all in myself. It's in, you know, my God that I know loves my kids more than me and wants best for them. And I can only hope that he uses, you know, like anything in life, the meager offering I have to bring and, and use it to do something great in them, you know. And uh, at the end of the day, they have to choose him to be their savior just like we did, right? And so I, I think the goal is exemplifying him in our lives. And I know that for Sarah and me, um, that was very important because, you know, like I, I didn't go up in a Christian home. I didn't have that example. The Lord had to get my attention a different way. She did, but in her mind, it was always just her parents' relationship with the Lord. It, it didn't become her own until later on, and it was, you know, in her mind, just a whole bunch of don't do this, don't do that, but not really understanding the heart behind that. And we felt strongly, like, in our family, when we had kids, we wanted, like, just like we would say, or like that guy that says, like, can, can we see Jesus? Like, we wanted him to be seen in our relationship and that means involving him in every aspect of your life. And, and one of the things that, like, I saw my wife do was, like, she was really good, you know, because in our marriage, we, we felt strongly that, you know, that my wife's call was to stay home and, and homeschool them. So I'd be gone at work. You know, I had a normal job before I became a pastor. And she got the 
the blunt of a lot of that work of that individual time with them and working with them and schooling them, but also always making the priority to to teach them the word, to teach them how re real Jesus was, to show them in our lives, like like involve them in prayers, involve them in mission trips, involve them in our daily life with Jesus, going like, see, God did that. You know, God answered that prayer, like showing them how real he was. And another big thing was was like, as you guys well know, when, when you're raising kids and you want to give them all the opportunities and you want them to, you know, you know, do things that are good, like hobbies and sports, like, you know, using those things for what they are good for, teaching them, like, you know, truths from scriptural, scripture principles, but in no way ever <coughs> exemplifying that anything is better than Jesus, like, in their life. And, and there were decisions we'd have to come to, like, okay, you know, our, our kids got invited to, to play on this select team, but that's going to mean missing church on Sundays. And, like, you know, like, for us, it was like, wh what what's the goal? Like, you know, it's like, this, this is good because our kids are learning this, but isn't it better to, like, be with the Lord and be with his people? Like, isn't that what we'd rather do, you know? And, and, and like, how are we going to exemplify that? And that would guide our decisions and what to say yes to and what to say no to. And that's not an absolute by any means. Like, that's different for everyone, but it's a valid consideration because at the end of the day, Again, I wanted my kids to see that Jesus is always our first choice, and you'll never regret him being a first choice. And the more that he got to, they got to see that, the more real they'd see he was. And I see the, the fruit of that now, and, and I would say right away, our kids are not perfect. They're sinners that need a Savior. But I have kids that desire the Lord, that desire to be around his people instead of things of the world. Not that they don't still struggle with those things, but that's their desire. I have an oldest son that I sat there and watched argue with me at first in what I thought would be best with him, but give it over to God and listen as God changed his mind. And that brings me as a parent so much peace because that's all I need to know to let him go as I'm faced with this reality of my 18-year-old leaving my house that I'm dreading right now. I know that he seeks the Lord and he listens and as a parent, I don't have anything to worry about. If he does that his whole life, he's going to be way better than I could ever direct him. So I just see some of those choices and just, again, wanting Jesus to be the center of our family. And, and I'm so thankful that the Lord helped us make those decisions because, you know, I see the fruit of it. And, and I couldn't have asked for anything greater than that. Chris, I would just add the, the one of the things that as we've walked the journey of having a prodigal, um, when you look at Jesus' disciples, Judas was loved perfectly by Jesus. He, Jesus always said the right thing to Judas, always quoted the right scripture verse. You know, he's like, I mean, healed everybody. Judas still walked away. And so, and I, and I, I you know, I, even in my heart, I go, well, maybe, maybe Judas still made a decision right before the end, you know, and I won't know until eternity. But you can do everything right. And so be careful, right? Like to, to honest evaluation of your parenting as a, as a husband and a wife, it's good and it's fair, but don't flog yourself. Because you cannot, like we said, be the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And you cannot save your children. Yeah. 
that is between them and the Lord, and that is God territory. And so I think there's a sense of freedom in that and uh, grace that you can give yourselves and, and, and give your kids as well. The next question is, um, also has to do with kids, but just uh, how do you know you're putting your kids before your spouse? Like, is there anything practically you guys have learned where um, you've been able to maintain that right order in that relationship or, or maybe learning the hard way and just kind of under realizing that your kids had kind of taken an unhealthy place where you weren't being able to spend time with your spouse or the Lord for that matter? guys have any input on that no <laughs> <laughs> i think that honestly i think that's a tremendous struggle yeah. and it's going to be for every parent because m like most moms they spend a significant amount of hours every single day with a child, mm -hmm. and sometimes they spend more hours a day with their children than they do their spouse. Mm -hmm. Just logistically, like, it's not like we set out to go, oh, I'm gonna spend 95% of my day with my children and 5% of my day with my husband. It just, that's just often how life goes. So I think what you have to do in the time that you have, it's sort of that quality over quantity, mm -hmm. I guess would be a, just a really good way to look at that, to be, just intentional about that time with your spouse. Um, and again, I'm only speaking from a wife perspective, but intentional about being with Don when I have that opportunity to do it. And I, I guess that's probably the best way to have balance because you can't always balance the time, but you can balance the quality of what that looks like. And even as a young marriage with young kids, keeping being very mindful of doing that or taking that date night yeah. to just not always take your kids with you. Honestly, I think Chris and Sarah do something super special that I realized several years ago. One time of year, you go away with your family, and one time a year, you go away as a couple. I think that's a beautiful model, and it doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be one night, mm -hmm. right? Like it, Because sometimes our financial situations just look different, but be intentional with your children, but be intentional with your spouse. And find the balance in that. I, I think something we just learned over time was um, y if, if you don't prioritize your, t just like if you don't prioritize your time with Jesus, it's not going to happen. If you don't pri prioritize your time with your spouse, it'll just get lost in everything in life. And because it's like the second longest relationship in, in the world, it should be a priority or a priority for us. Like we have to make that happen. So those same things that you liked doing together before you had children should be the same things that you enjoy doing together now. You just got to work harder to make them happen. So, you know, and, and one, a couple things I see, there's first the, the breaking of the cord when you first have kids and you feel like you can't leave them. And, and I get sometimes, like, we, we don't have people to leave them with. We don't have family around us. So those are all, you know, logistical things that we got to learn. But I know for us, like, the first vacation we took as a husband, I think Samuel was, like, four and, and Benjamin was two. And it was like we were just – it was – we were going away to Hawaii, and, and it was like we, no, we were not enjoying, like, leaving them. Like, it was like we were worried to death. And I remember, like, just landing on the plane and, like, 
calling them, or I don't even know if FaceTime was like anything then, but we, we got a hold of them and we just realized they didn't even know we were gone. They were having the time of their life <laughs> with their grandparents and, and like didn't even miss us at all. And so for us, it was like this breath of fresh air, like, oh, we can do this. We can actually get away and have fun together and relax and not have to worry about our kids. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that as a young couple, young parents that I think we all have to learn. Yeah. Um, and then it's okay that you don't give your kids your undivided attention whenever they want it. Mm -hmm. um, because hopefully we are present in their lives and we are giving them our attention. You want mom and dad time in the evening where you guys can just talk or sit down, watch something together, enjoy time together. You can say, it's all right, you need to go to bed now or you know, we're, we're having mom and dad time. You wanna go out for a meal together, go out and see a movie, whatever the things, do something together that you guys like doing get a babysitter, it's okay, it's all right. You're not neglecting them by doing that. You know, you're actually, you know, I heard a pastor say this a long time ago and it made a lot of sense to me. If your relationship with Jesus is where it should be, that's so important for your kids to see because of the effects. And if your relationship with each other is where it should be, that's gonna give them way more security than it is if they see you guys fighting or not happy, you know? So that, that, that relationship where it should be is gonna benefit your family. And we do, like practically, we, we made it a point, like we're gonna take a, a family vacation every year and we're gonna take a husband-wife vacation. And there's lots of dates and stuff and one night getaways in between that. But I mean, those were things that, you know, because I, I was the one that was intentional about making that happen because I enjoyed planning those things and stuff. But um, when we did that, like, it, I just see the benefits of it. it. It was always fruitful. Even when we didn't feel like, oh, the craziness, I don't know how, why we're doing this. But as soon as we were there and coming back, it was just, go ahead. Well, the question, you know, it says like, so how do you know you are putting your kids before your spouse? And for me, specifically, was he asked me on a date when our boys were really little. And we sat down at the table and it was awkward. Mm -hmm. And that's how I know I was putting my kids before my spouse because I was like, Ugh, what do I say to you? I just, yeah, it was really weird. And I was really thankful that he's continued to pursue me, you know, and asking me on dates over and over and over again. Yeah, kind of piggybacking on that. Um, I would challenge you if you've never done this with your spouse to go on a date and not talk about your children. Like, I'm serious, go on a date, don't talk about work and don't talk about your kids. Yeah, because, um, and um, some, uh, Art and Sue, who used to attend our church years ago, um, I remember Sue telling me that that was their, you know, what they would do when they would go on dates. Church stuff was off limits, um, and work and the kids were off limits, and it just as a topic of conversation, so you could talk about what the Lord was teaching you in his word, you could talk about any number of other things, whatever the hot button topic, uh, you know, that would distract you from that you know, just drawing closer to your spouse. That gets left off the table and you find other things to talk about. Um, and, and there's ways to do that. There's like, you know, dating questions, you know, like different things to kind of try and, you know. But um, my other question is, you know, like if, is it awkward when you're sitting at the table? And then the other question is, when was the last time you had sex? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna throw that out there because when your kids are little, it can be really easy for that to be put to the side. Uh, Kim, why don't you elaborate on that? Because uh, <laughs> the question is how to prioritize your sex life with young kids. 
Uh, oh, I have a good one. Yes, I do. I do. Because we had four and they were very young, and it was we were super intentional about the afternoon nap time. Like I would text Don. He lived at the church, or he. Me no. (laughs) No. (laughs) He worked at the church just down the street. And so I would text him, and I'm like, everybody's asleep. And so he would come home from work five minutes away, and we're like, woohoo! And we made it a priority. And that sounds so silly, but it isn't. And I also, you have to know your marriage because nine o'clock at night when I had babies, it's not happening. I am so tired. You are not touching me. I've been touched all day long. But at like noon, or like all of a sudden, I remember our kids were all playing in the backyard, and we're like, they're all entertained. Quick, go, <laughs> run. And we're like running into our house and locking the door. And that created fun. It was so fun. We enjoyed the spontaneity. And that, that was a season, right? Like the season doesn't always last that way. But when you're in a season of that, enjoy what you have in that season and be creative and make it fun and enjoyable. And so it became like, this is so, I shouldn't say it, I will. We called it afternoon delight, you know? Because for that season, (laughs) it was. And and wives, I will tell you, if you send that text to your husband, you are literally the wife of the week, the wife of the year. (laughs) There is no husband out there that doesn't want to receive that text that's like, come home, and they're like, on my way. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. There's a question that kind of piggybacks to what you're saying and what was just talked about. It says, how do you deal with a, a lack of physical intimacy and neither person has much interest in changing the pattern? Who takes the lead role? How do you change this? Dude, the, the man is supposed to be the initiator, okay? And especially in that, I, I, I don't mean to degrade anybody, but especially in that... Um, um, the man's supposed to initiate, and so if there's if there's a lack, then you 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 are to lead. Um, but I do remember something from last year, and I felt really dumb when I gave my answer. But um, it was Kim and Beth were like, "Well, you know, okay, it, it's a little bit more complicated than that. You have to set the stage for you have to set the yeah." They didn't say that was a dumb answer. They just said you it, you have to set the stage for intimacy, and and some of that is. Um, you know, it's, it's seeing your wife, you know, is she stressed out? Is she tired? Is she, uh, you know, and, and, and making an effort to bless her, making an effort to help her with the kids or uh, asking her, how are you doing? What can I do for you today? You know, 
um, seeing her and and caring for her sets the stage for for intimacy and so that that's a lesson I learned last year and I was happy to repeat it <laughs> for everyone else but yeah the, the man should lead and and just say I, I love you I miss you I, I want to be with you you know and if you, you're not interested, well, guess what? Um, that's your marital duty, so you better obey the word of God. Uh, and, uh, you know. No. Uh-uh. Okay. Well, identify it as, as what it is. That's sin. You know, like, if you are not interested in your spouse, you need to, in that way, you need to confess that to the Lord because that is what we are commanded to do for each other. So if that's not where you're at, be real with the Lord, with where you're at, because that is an important part of marriage that cannot be neglected. It is, as women, I don't think that we realize how important that is for our husbands. It's important for us, too. I mean, it's important for me to feel like a woman instead of a dead mommy, um, you know, like that that is the only thing that I've got going on is dead mommy, okay? But, uh, you know, that I'm still a desirable woman to my husband, that's important, but it is incredibly important to our husbands to have physical intimacy with us. That is our um, spiritual act of worship, uh, service and worship unto the Lord to, to be available to our husbands. So if that is not what you are doing and that's not what you're feeling, you need to confess that to the Lord and do business with the Lord and allow him to change your heart with that, with regard to that. Now, not to say that there aren't things, <laughs> like there are things and issues that sometimes have to be worked on in marriage. But if it's just a mindset of like needing to be corrected, do business with the Lord, because that's not a negotiable thing. I, I was counseling a woman, and she's just like, I, I, I just am not feeling it. I just want to be a roommate with my husband. I was like, you can't just be a roommate with your husband. You can't. That's, well, why not? Because the Lord commands otherwise. Like, that's, you, you don't have a roommate relationship with your husband. You have an intimate in every way relationship with your husband and i think we need to understand like the they're referencing first corinthians 7 5 where it says do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer afterward you should come together again so that satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control so it's an actual warning, like where Paul says, like, this isn't good to like go without this for an extended period of time, unless you're doing it with the purpose of drawing near to God, like fasting. But so it's a warning because there's temptations that come with that. And, and I think, you know, one of those that I've experienced is there, there is a lack of intimacy or unity when we're not regularly partaking in that. Like, and in, in I think it is a spiritual thing because there is a closeness that you get with your spouse that's only meant for marriage through sex. And, and God does something there. He's already brought you guys together as one spiritually, but there's something when you come together physically that creates a unity that is interrupted when you're not doing that. And it allows Satan to get in there, whether it's with lies or temptation or whatever. And so it is something that, I mean, it's specifically in the word is a warning. So it's something that we should heed. And with that, take it seriously. Again, this is something that isn't going to happen unless you're intentional about it and especially considering what they were saying if i love my wife and i see because i'm paying attention to her the things that get her in the mood or that like 
can alleviate the stress so she does feel like she wants to partake in that, then as a, a husband that loves her, I should want to do those things to, to help her so for our benefit in our marriage. I think it plays out practically sometimes so differently for every couple, and that's something that you have to be mindful of, like personalities or timing or how many children or what season of life or what cycle of the month it is, you know, like when your cycle is. Like, so I think every husband and wife needs to take some of those things into consideration. Um, I was abused as a child, sexually abused. I brought that into my marriage. I had a husband that was so gentle and gracious and kind with me, and it's something over 31 years of marriage that we worked through early on in our marriage. And so that may be your story, that you may have walls that you've built up as, as a woman where intimacy is very difficult for you. And it is right to bring it to the Lord, but it is also okay to bring it to your husband and just say, I'm really struggling in this area. And that leads itself to communication because communication is a beautiful way to get to intimacy that is satisfactory to a couple. And I just think about you guys, like, and it's hard when you have a baby and your body changes and your hormones change and life changes and job changes and then you're like, I'm so exhausted and I don't want you to, like, don't touch me or, like, I smell like vomit or whatever. <laughs> but as a couple, and I think it's so important when we talked about the lens that we bring into, you know, we look at marriage through, but also um, don't compare yourself to any other couple because maybe one time a week is so good for you guys. And maybe that brings you such intimacy and joy. And maybe there's another couple that three times a week or five times a week is good for them. And it's nobody else's business. That's between you and the Lord and what that looks like. And so I just encourage, because it is scriptural, but how it plays out practically in your own marriage looks so very, very different. And don't do what, like, the movies make you think, right? Like, Don told our teenagers when he was a youth pastor, he's like, the world makes us think we're Barbie and Ken, and we're more like Homer and Marge, right? <laughs> like, and I love that so much because as a wife or as a woman, I will get embarrassed. Like, oh my gosh, I have a baby, and they, like, trashed my body, and I don't look the same that I did when I was, like, 20. And so it makes me want to pull back, but... Um, as we get older, those body marks, their love, that's evidence of love that we have for one, that's experience, that's memories, that's history, and so we move forward, but be gentle with your spouse, be gentle in your marriage, and don't compare to the world or what to another couple finds to be working for them. Yeah. I recommend charity in this area, a lot of charity to each other a lot of back and forth charity like that's important and I think that's one of the most powerful words we get in scripture is like I recommend charity and so encourage you there uh, while we're on the topic of sex there's a question can you speak a little on what's okay and not okay in the bedroom as a Christian I really think that's a question for the lead pastor of the <laughs> church. I'll add my two cents after yeah. I hear, and I, I need to correct you guys. So. You're going to wait and see what we say first. <laughs> wow. Did you have some Marcus? 
Well, Don Don said the lead pastor was going to answer the question, so I. I, yeah, I lead mean, pastor is going to have his youth pastor. Yeah, well, right. well uh, shoot, I, I I hesitate to be prescriptive, except in the area of keeping sin out of, mm-hmm. you know, the marriage bed is undefiled, but but bringing things in like pornography, I would say, it would be incredibly destructive. Um, bringing that in w- w- is is going to. It, it's it's like Susan was saying. Don't compare yourself. It's it's bringing in a frame of reference from the world whereby you compare yourself to whatever picture, whatever fantasy they want to create. And I just think that that is something that's going to mess you up, mess up your perspective. It's going to mess up what the Lord would have for you and your spouse, which is going to be different. It's going to be it's yours. It, it's it's your your ministry to your spouse and so your your intimacy your sex life should should be yours and uh you know and and so that's i i guess the one thing that i can think of i'm sure there's more if i probably sat down and made a list or whatever but i know that's something very pervasive in the culture and i would just say chuck that that's garbage you know it's it's you and your wife and and jesus right yeah so what one of the, the areas, uh, go ahead. Oh, oh, what's for, what's forbidden, what's for, what, and from yeah. a Christian perspective, what's, for, what should be forbidden in the bedroom between you? So I, I would just say, um, you know, so if you go back to the beginning when Jesus, and, or before sin came into the world, like first two people, Adam and Eve, you know, they were brought together, they had sex they were naked and there was no insecurity until sin came into the world and all of a sudden they realize they're naked and they're they're covering themselves all of a sudden insecurity came with that sin so one of the biggest baggages that is brought into marriage is through past sexual relationships because sex isn't bad sex in marriage was god's plan and that's good but sex out of marriage is a perversion it's it's bad and, you know, I, I was guilty of that. My wife was guilty of that. And I think we, we kind of think on, on the, the, the physical implications, like, okay, cool, I didn't get somebody pregnant out of wedlock. I didn't get an STD. I'm good. No, it's the emotional damage it does because what it does is it brings insecurity into the marriage of feeling like, well, am I living up to, like, my spouse's past partners or am I being compared? Or you were exposed to pornography which isn't even real if you've had sex you know that that's just a movie with actors and actresses and you think that that's what it's supposed to be like it's not like that again insecurities so those are things that satan's perverted in the world something that was supposed to be beautiful and made it this just fleshly thing that really is substandard is everything satan does substandard to the glorious thing god wants you to experience and so when you've kind of exposed those things or when you've been exposed to those things, God's big. He can heal you from that, but it takes time. But once you're within that, f- that marriage framework and you want to do things that God wants, you don't want to bring that stuff back into that marriage. You, know, you don't want to bring the insecurities back into there. You're spending time letting God heal those and really bringing you guys as he's brought you to one, he's, he's building that security in you over your marriage that he intended you to have before sin came into this world. And I would say that second only to God, there's only one person I have total trust and faith in like him, and, and that's my wife. 
because there's security that's been built over 23 years. And so sex is one of those things that gets better the more secure you are with your spouse. And, and as far as like things you can and can't do, that it's subjective in the sense that you don't want to do anything sinful. The Bible tells us things that are sinful. And it's meant to be something that's good, which means it's pleasurable. So if it's not good or pleasurable for your spouse, then you shouldn't want to do that with right. them. It's something that you mutually agree upon, you know. And um, yeah, go ahead. I, and I think it's important um, to real realize that um, the expectations, like you talked about, from watching things or seeing things before you get married, and then you you walk into a marriage situation and your wife has been abused. It's okay for her to say, this is not something I'm comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Right. And I love her best by never making her feel less than yeah. mm -hmm. because of that. Mm -hmm. And not, and we, that's what we talk about, like comparison is the thief of all joy. And, 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 you know, that's why all that Hollywood wants to show you, we know it's not real. Uh, and so I, I think that that, again, that, that way to love a spouse sometimes is to go, yeah, this is something that we're not going to do, and it's okay, and it doesn't mean my marriage or my sex life isn't wonderful. Right. Um, and does it mean that she's not fun? Or And when someone says, no, I'm not comfortable with that, then that's a no until that person comes back and says, you know what, I, I'd like to try that now. And that you may find that in a young marriage. So it's going to take some trust because there may have been situations of abuse uh, in the past. So. Yeah, last, the last thing, just kind of riffing on what you said is I think the focus of your, your ministry, and that's what it is, it's a ministry to your spouse, has to be um, motivated by love, right? An agape love, which is an other-centered love. So you are approaching, how can, I, how, can I, how can I please you? How can I be the best, you know, husband that, that my wife, you know, she goes away and she's like, wow, I, I can't wait to do that again. Uh, <laughs> but 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 that's the goal. The goal isn't like how can I make this the best for myself. Yeah. How can I make make this the best for my wife? Mm -hmm. And if she's not comfortable with something, um, then I'm not, and I'm pushing her. Then that's not agape, right? That's not that's not an other centered love, right? But if I'm meeting her needs and I'm and I'm you know and, and you know it's mutual, right? There might be a, a situation where a woman wants something, a man's not comfortable doing it. And it, ha it has to go both ways, but. Um, but that should be the focus, is, is a, a love of your spouse. So. Amen. Uh, the next question, there, there's two. They kind of go hand in hand. One of them is, how do you create a, a vulnerable environment to be able to talk? I have things I want to talk about, but don't know how to, uh, know how to with my spouse. And then um, the other one, is in our marriage, everything is very surface level, good, bad, or ugly gets dismissed quickly to keep moving on with life. How do you find a deeper communication connection with one another? Communication being a big thing you got to work through in marriage. You guys have comments on it? It's not easy. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be easy. Mm -hmm. You got to die to yourself a little and be humble and uh, and just uh, do it. <laughs> um, you know, the Lord wants you to have a good relationship with your spouse and um, to have that communication. But um, 
So you got to have some hard conversations maybe that are uncomfortable. Um, you know, I'll bring it to the Lord. He, um, he's the one who's going to give you the strength and the words and the, all of that. So I don't know. I think Don was saying something earlier just about how he realized he could be open and honest with his wife and, and not feel like judgment or, and again, this kind of goes to security. Like, like what kind of environment is your marriage? It's, it's like, I know that with my wife, I can tell her anything and she's not going to judge me. She's always on my side, you know, just like God is like we can, he's big enough. I say this often, like he's big enough to handle your truth. You can be honest with him. And like, I know my wife's like that. It's like, I can be honest with her and, and she's going to tell me, be honest back. I mean, with love, like with truth, she has my best interests in mind. So that creates an easy environment for me to communicate with her and, and bring her things, whether it's things that I'm struggling with or things that I need wisdom or advice and I need hear somebody else to give me their what they think about the situation um, or things that, you know, I just I'm I'm not comfortable with, like in our family, in our marriage, something like I, I can be open and honest with her because I know how she's going to respond and, and take that and not come at me and throw it in my face. So I, I, th I think that we have to check ourselves first to make sure we've created that environment in our marriage and basically have an environment that's conducive to our spouse being able to communicate with us and then um, you know trying to do whatever we can if we have somehow messed up in that area to kind of foster that environment and, and reassure our spouse that hey I'm with you I want you to be open with me I'm on your side I'm not judging or being critical of you so um, I was just thinking about how to just kind of reflecting on the whole thing how do I if, if I've got a problem with something that Kim's doing or that she said what or or you know a problem with our relationship which which are very rare by the way but uh, how do you how do you do that I think I think you got to lead with love I think that's super important reminding your spouse how much you love them and you care for them reminding them you know uh, I, I think that's good it's disarming and I think it also puts you in a frame of mind where whatever you're going to say you're, you're going to say it with love you know I'm not I'm not accusing I'm not you're criticizing um, and, I, and I think that uh, saying instead of focusing on the negative focus on the positive like honey I I want this for us I, I want better communication for us how can I and then put it back and ask them how can I how can I communicate better with you what what do you need from me? You, you know, check it in the morning, talk through the day, whatever, you know, mechanical thing. You know, throw out a suggestion. She might be like, no, actually, we need to, you know. So I, I think that's I think that's a good approach. Lead with love, ask questions, um, tell your wife what you what you want for your relationship. I think those are good. I had something else, but I forgot it, so I'm going to just stop talking. Make sure you're not stewing on things. Seriously. <laughs> uh, like she was saying earlier, um, as a woman and my husband, you know, they aren't mind readers, and uh, they might not have any idea that they did something <laughs> that uh, we didn't like. So... We just need to come to them with love and 
and just let them know gently in love um otherwise it will just compound and get harder and harder and um we'll get pushed further and further apart and then getting back to that communication just gets harder it's just a spiral so coming right away and and talking to each other you know um, I would say to just on a practical note, pick your timing, <laughs> um, private private spot. Like you're not going to have that conversation at the dinner table with your children. Um, me, it should be obvious, but maybe it's not. Um, setting setting you know making making a time to have the conversation where you can really have the conversation. Um, so timing is important and not piling up. You, you know, nobody wants to be blasted with every, like, thing that you've stored up for months or whatever. Like, you can, people only have the capacity to deal with one problem at a time, really. I mean, you know, like, that's, it's just not possible. Like, if I, I mean, it's so practical, like, not stewing on things. It's like, you know, what's really the crux of the matter, you know? And so spending some time praying through, like, the frustration, what am I really frustrated about? What is really the root of that issue? Is it really this outward issue or is the issue, I'm feeling distant from you, we need to plan a time to reconnect. And really what the issue is, is that we just haven't taken the time to communicate and these other things are frustrations that are, aren't real. I mean, they're, they're real, but they're not real. They're just kind of symptoms of another thing. So just you know, being able to kind of evaluate that. So timing, space, and time to deal with it, and then deal with only one thing at a time. Don't just be like, and the shotgun blast you know, of all of the things that you've been storing for months. Bad. <laughs> Don't do that. And guys, uh, to go along with what Don said yesterday, don't just send her a emoji with a thumbs up <laughs> you have to be intentional to a have actually yeah, two thumbs up yeah you have to be intentional to have actual conversations and if if it's not happening pray about it go to her sit down um if you still can't have communication go to the elders of your church pray with someone else about it ask for prayer don't just stew on it and do nothing you end up in a bad spot yeah, thank you for saying that. That is actually something I wanted to share. There are times in your marriage when you need somebody to help you along, and it is okay to ask for help. If it's someone else in your life, a marriage hero that is close to you, if it's one of the staffs, um, the pastors on staff, um, or counseling, there are times in marriage, and it is okay. After we lost our son, um, and we were trying to find our footing in a marriage, where we're just grieving so differently. Counseling was super critical for us. And at first it was hard. Don's like, I'm a pastor. And I'm like, I love Jesus. We got this. We've got this thing nailed down. And then all of a sudden we didn't have it nailed down. And we needed, to, we needed somebody to help us refocus and get going on the right track. And so I do recommend Christian counseling because they're going to direct you back to the word of God. And sometimes it's just a staff pastor that can help you have a safe place where you can come and talk about some of those issues. So I would say it's okay to have that mindset and come with humility, not have your pride be so big, like, we're fine, we can figure it out, we've got this. And even early on in your marriage, when you encounter some, t some tough spots, to find an older couple that you can have, like, just 
walk along marriage life with you and talk through those things and help you with communication or intimacy or any of the things you want to talk about. And sometimes it does require counseling. Yeah, for me personally, um, when I have something that I need to talk to Chris about or bring to his attention, I've learned for me personally not to be emotional, to be self-controlled and not expect a response immediately because it might be something too big really to talk about that he needs to pray about and whatnot. Because typically I would get like, if I'm emotional coming into the situation, then I just instantly get a no and I'm a little rebellious and I do not like being told no (laughs) and it just doesn't go good. And so in our almost 24 years of marriage, I've just learned that I kind of need to front load it with, you know, I'm not looking for a response right now. Is this something, you know, that you can pray about? So. Uh, let's see. I think we have some time for a few more. Um, this one, if God is calling the husband deeper into ministry and the uh, spouse is preventing them from doing so, whose crowns will be taken away in heaven, his or hers? So I'll just, I'll, I'll just say it. First, the, the, just the theological answer, like what, what the Bible generally teaches is, is uh, or what it does teach is crowns or rewards or something given for faithfulness with what God gives us. So I, I can't think of an example where there's any crowns being taken away. So I, I'm not sure that's something that you really need to be worrying about. I think the, the bigger question is, you know, like, well, you know, how does that work in a marriage as far as like ministry and, and callings on people, husband or wife, and how do you guys figure those things out together? Um, Because that's an important thing we've experienced in our marriage, um, just because our life looks a lot different than we thought it would. (laughs) She was making the joke yesterday. She's like, when I started dating Chris, he was pre-med, going to be a doctor, and now he's a pastor. (laughs) I didn't sign up for that. (laughs) But God has a way of changing the plan, and and of course, you know, just trusting him that he knows best. But, um, you know, just as in our lives personally, we're trying to surrender to God, like we've talked about a lot in the last month, so that we can be in line with that plan, knowing that it's good, pleasing, and perfect. And so when you get a spouse, all of a sudden it's being in line with that plan together because God isn't bringing one of us along. He's bringing us both along together. And so my first encouragement would be that you guys have to be in unity. And if your relationship is right with Christ, you will be because you both have the same Holy Spirit, but you have to be in unity because we can make the mistake of just, you know, this is what the Lord wants and I'm going. And, you know, you're either coming or you're staying behind. And that doesn't work really well in marriage, you know. Um, But then there's also the, the truth that, not one person's just called. I mean, I'm called to be a pastor. My wife isn't, but she's got just as an important part of supporting that ministry because if she wasn't in line with that, if she didn't agree with that calling and she wasn't willing to do all the stuff that she has to do in order to support me, I wouldn't be able to do that role well. So we very much are in team in anything God calls either one of us to. Um, and so what have you guys learned over the years? You guys all have been involved in ministry, you know, practically in your lives and then in the church. Like, what have you learned regarding that? When we get to heaven, 
our crowns won't matter. All that's going to matter is Jesus. Amen. But while we're here, um, I, I will say that I've I've definitely had times where she's serving and I'm serving, and I don't know. You don't want to let you don't want to open the door for the devil to ever have any means in your life because if jealousy's in there and it just drives a wedge between you, like if the Lord's calling her or me to do something we need to be supportive and be behind them and and encouraging them along the way and not pulling them away from the lord we should never be pulling away because the whole goal is to serve him if it is if it is causing a problem though in your marriage you need to be attentive to that and and like he said, the being in unity and being on the same page and maybe there's a time when you need to pull back from that and and just be, um, this needs to be first. And um, yeah, and then, you know, our ministry will flow from that, but that has to be number one. Um, and we have to be on the same page. And like he said, so we can support each other in that. Um, and not feel like we're, you know, pushing each other away. So, I hope I make sense with this, <laughs> kind of in a roundabout way. But I keep thinking about that very first question. I think it was, um, was this it? What is a practical way to lead your wife and family? And I, I keep thinking like, well, are you worth following, you men? Are, are you a good leader in your home? Kind of like Don was saying, um, John 13, you know, ser- are you serving your family well? Because I know my husband, he serves our family well. What you see on Sunday is who he is at home. He's washing the dishes if there's dishes in the sink. He's folding the laundry on Friday and doing all the laundry while I'm at co-op. He's part of our family. And there's so much security in following him because he set such a great example. Now, I'm not saying we're perfect. Please understand. I'm not coming up there saying we have a perfect marriage. That's not what I'm saying. But he is totally worth following me, like for me and my children. And he's represented Christ really well. And so men, I think a way that you guys can practically lead your wife and lead your family is through the example of serving them and loving Jesus and putting him first in everything you do. And I don't think you'll go wrong. I guess the question of, you know, one person wanting to go more forward in ministry and doing ministry things and maybe I think the question kind of almost is well if it's the woman wanting to do more ministry things and her husband's not into it submit ladies and wait and pray husband if it's you that's wanting to go and do all these ministry things and your wife is not into it you got to pray you know you've got to pray I mean it's important to obey the Lord but remember the priority Jesus which is your relationship with Jesus, not your ministry unto Jesus, your relationship with Jesus, and then your wife. I don't think we ever will regret the times where we wait and we pray. There's a lot of waiting in our spiritual lives. 
there's a lot of waiting. It's a, it's a principle that we see all through scripture where there might be a promise from the Lord like Abraham where he had to wait 25 years for Isaac. Sometimes we can feel callings on our life and it may not be the time. Right. It, and it may not be the season. And it's never a bad thing to wait on the Lord and to pray until there's unity in your family because you will drive... If you are going ahead and you are leaving your family behind, that will destroy your marriage. It will destroy your kids, and it will, what, it will communicate that ministry unto the Lord is more important than other things. And that is baking ministry into an idol. Mm. And that, it's, it's not what you want. And it's always a good thing to want to serve the Lord. But that priority, those circles, like that's such a great... That's such a great image that we, you know, that you guys provided with that Jesus in the center and then your spouse, then, you know, your kids and your family. And then, you know, if you have kids and then, you know, like church stuff is pretty far out of the, from that circle, you know, and I, I, this is where I failed. I'll tell you a failure. So, <laughs> failure story. Okay. I'm, um, <laughs> this is where I was corrected lovingly by my husband. <laughs> Um, early on in our marriage, and I am a doer, like do, 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 do. I mean, I would do all of the things, and I was involved in everything, all of the youth ministry. I ran the kids' ministry. I was doing all of the things. I was going on all of the mission trips. I was like all of the things. We got married in April um, that year, and, and the summer I was gone constantly. And we got to the fall, and Marcus is like, I think that maybe you're doing too many things. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's all these good things. And he's like, I miss you. <laughs> and there was a, a needed that I needed to pull back. I wasn't single anymore. Um, and he, he had to take priority over those things. And I do not regret pulling back. There have been seasons of pouring out and, and pulling back. And that continues to be... That will be how it is until I go home to heaven. You know, there's seasons where you're actively involved and there's seasons where you're at home and, you know, and not. And, that, and both are good. Uh, well, I know it's 1 o'clock. I just want to get this last question because it, it's directed towards uh, Don and Susan. So it'll be the, they can answer it. We'll just give it to them. So as Don and Susan mentioned that we can't really understand suffering until we go through it personally, but that we can prepare for it. What are three practical ways you would now counsel us to prepare for suffering for trials before we have them? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and suffering, again, it looks so different for everyone. Not everyone in this room is going to lose a child. They're not going to suffer in the same way. They, it might be a spouse. It might be an illness or a job loss. And so I just think the for me, Jesus, keep your eyes on Jesus. Be in the word. Know his truth. Um, I would say that is the number one way to prepare. Don't wait um, for the famine, right? It, it was like we talked about with Joseph. Like Joseph prepared before the famine came, and so prepare. Um, let the ground of your heart be a fertile place where you're um, pursuing Jesus daily 
daily, not weekly, but daily pursuing Jesus. That's how you prepare, because when the hard things come, it's familiar. And I guess, like, one of the things that Don said is, like, my wife just kept doing this. I didn't do anything new when our son went to heaven. I didn't. I only did what I knew to do because I had been doing that already. I was pursuing Jesus because life is hard. And, and I love him so much. He, he's my very best friend. I literally love Jesus so much. I, I couldn't say it more. So I only knew to go to Jesus when that thing happened. I, it wasn't foreign. So that's what I'm saying. It can't be a foreign thing. You're, you're going to run to what is familiar in your life. And Jesus was familiar, and it's what I went to. So that, I would say that is one big thing, and whatever other Yeah, I, I, I think you need to live in expectation of it, but not in a morbid way, if that makes sense. To, to just recognize that something is going to happen, something difficult is going to happen. Um, and, and just be like, I, I, better, I better train like you would thinking of someone who's in the military. You know, you cannot, you know, everything I've read about war, thankfully I've never been in war. Um, you, you, do, you just don't know, no, you can do all the training, but you just don't know how you're going to react until the, the shots are fired. Uh, and so I'm just, I will just say again, some kind of shot is going to be fired. And um, we are, we are a, Satan hates marriage. Satan hates Christian marriage. And so he really wants to go after us. And so, and then we just live in a broken, fallen world that is full of sin and death. I mean, we weren't designed to die. And so all of that is is something you can't prepare for except to go, I I can do the best I can to prepare for it. And then the, just a, just a little side note, something I haven't talked about, maybe uh, theology is really important. Don't be scared of it. Hunger and thirst for it. Dig into the deep things of God to understand God's providence and sovereignty saved me when my son went to heaven. It saved me. To, to understand that God is actually in charge. Am I going to just be like, no, God's only in charge when he does the things I like, and then when he, no, no. He's providentially in sovereignty ruling this world. I don't understand how that works, all the corners and every little piece of that. But I have a really good uh, sense of God's bigness, and, his, and so theology does matter, and so study that and, and grow in that and learn more about that. Because theology comes, or good theology, comes from the Word of God. And if the Word of God is planted deeply in your heart, when your heart shatters, it will hold it together. Mm. Amen. Amen. And on that note of God's sovereignty, tomorrow at church, we start Romans 9, and it talks all about that. So, uh, So let's go ahead and pray. Lord God, thank you so much. For all you've done this weekend, Lord, just uh, abundantly more than we might ask or think. And I know that as we go away from here, there's probably even going to be further conversations just on things that you were speaking to each of us that we can share together as married couples. 
and probably things that we're taking away with us that we need to bring before you and we need help with or we need to implement and um, maybe just even, you know, being reminded that our relationship with you needs to be the priority that um, you intended to be, that you saved us for it to be so that we can, everything else can fall into place as it, as it should. So, Lord, may we take those things and not forget them or let the enemy snatch them away, but instead be those that look to you for help to, to live them out in our lives so we can experience the blessing that comes with them, Lord. So, Father, we just commit all the all you're doing uh to you and and thank you father that you go from this place with us and thanks again lord for bringing don and susan here to share the things that you've taught them through your word lord so that they can be used to produce fruit in our lives as well in jesus name amen amen, amen. You guys are dismissed all those snacks are free game take them with you or they're going to end up in the deacon office